0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Every part of the deer season has certain advantages and disadvantages. On this episode, I'm going to talk about my early season buck and the strategies that can help you make the most of this time of the hunting season. Hey and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host George Kanidis and today we are talking about hunting deer in the early season and specifically how that relates to the awesome buck that I just took on opening day of the archery season where I hunt. Now The early season is a very particular time of the deer hunting season. I believe it is maybe the least understood, and it's also very underutilized in a lot of hunting areas. However, I also need to say before I go any further, that hunting in the early season is going to vary greatly by property and by area not necessarily region, but by the habitat in the area that you hunt. Whether it's public land or private land makes no difference. Deer have different movement patterns, different habits in the summertime versus the fall and winter time. So when you get to the early hunting season, and this varies by state, some states open and the beginning of September, some mid-September, some late September, some early October, maybe some later than that. Um, you know, it's it's the very beginning of the deer season. And I quantify the early season by the part of the hunting season that happens before the first frost. Okay, now it doesn't necessarily drop dead at the first frost. But this is the best rule of thumb that I've found to define when do the strategies need to change. Because the way that it works is that in most places, deer have, especially bucks, have their early season or their summer habitat patterns. They like to be in areas that have some space, yet still some cover, that have soft, delicious vegetation things that they're not going to rub their antlers against when they're in velvet that's going to scratch them or hurt them or cause them pain. They want to be able to hide easily but get lots of airflow. They don't want it to be too thick and too heavy. And they want lots of food that they can eat without too much pressure. But they're not overly worried about it at this time of the year it seems. What happens then is you get the shift. Now the whitetail shift is caused by multiple factors. One of the big ones is habitat changes. Once that first heavy frost hits, a lot of stuff just browns out and dies or falls over. Some things immediately. In some areas, literally within 48 hours of the first heavy frost, a good chunk of the cover is gone. In other areas, it begins a swift downhill descent of cover going from thick, lush, bushy areas to just being, you know, the barren, can see for hundreds of yards in the wintertime kinds of zones. So the habitat changes. And when buck's cover disappears, they're no longer comfortable there. And they want to find places that have more cover. Additionally, deers have shed their velvet on their antlers. They've got hard bone. They're no longer worried about staying in places that are green and soft and open. They can now dive into heavy, thick briars and thorns and just that super gross cover that nobody likes to hunt around or try to wade through. And they're able to go wherever they want to go now. Other things also begin to happen. Deer hormones start to kick in. You start to get closer to the rut. Bucks start becoming more territorial. Um, you start getting a little bit of, of friction there, especially as does begin to near estrus, bachelor groups begin to break up, other things start happening. But sufficient to say where the bucks are, where they're spending time, and what their daily patterns are changes. Sometimes the change is minor. Sometimes it's major. Sometimes you have an area that was full of deer. Now there are no deer. So all of this is occurring right around the time of the shift so the early season the earliest of the early season you are hunting bucks that are still in their summer patterns for the most part or at least that's your goal you're hunting bucks that are in their summer patterns Uh, one of the properties that i hunt has outstanding buck activity just outstanding I mean, I've seen more bucks and have trail videos of more bucks on this property than anywhere else I've ever seen in my life in the state that I live in. Uh, It's unbelievably great until the shift. And the shift happens right around mid-October, sometimes a little later, sometimes a little earlier. In our area, usually, as best as I can tell, it's it's mostly weather-centric. And once the shift happens... You go from outstanding deer numbers to minimal deer numbers. Talking about bucks. Outstanding deer numbers to minimal deer numbers. Then the rut happens and there's still some bucks around. And then post-rut, I'm going to say November 20th or so. Once the, the rut has slowed down, bucks disappear. And they're not seen again until the spring. I mean, gone. Last year, I could I had hundreds of... Of buck videos, uh, you know, in a two week period and just hundreds and hundreds. Then we drop down to 50s and 50s and then zero for months. You know, one buck shot a month, you know, in the nighttime or something, traveling through after the rut. It's just like they're gone. You don't know where they went. I've never seen a buck during gun season on this property ever. No, I mean, just it just doesn't happen. And the reason is the shift. They move they're changing, where they are, where they go, what their habits are. Um, there must be better food, better cover, better other things and other places, and then they shift to those places by and large. Um, so if you want to hunt those deer, and I do, then you want to hunt them in the early season. There's another property that I hunt on, and during the early season, I have only seen one legal buck shot on video, period. I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deer videos on my trail cam and only one buck all summer from April to the end of September. Every video I've seen, only one buck the whole time. Now there's deer everywhere, but that is not a deer summer area, not a buck summer area anyway. So hunting there for bucks before the shift is a waste of time. You're better off just not even going out. If you want does, awesome. They're there. Put them in the freezer. But otherwise, you're better off not even spending 15 minutes there hunting for bucks because it's not a summer area. After the shift, it's a different story around the rut. You start seeing bucks. You got viable hunting, but it's, it's not an early season spot. So what I did this year, uh, very focused, very strategic, worked all summer, getting the habitat the way I wanted it, taking care of my clover patch, making sure the trails that I'd cut are, are clear and in good order, making sure that it, you know, I've got this crossroads on this particular property. And I'm doing a video that should be coming out soon. I actually show you guys the property. It was before this hunt, but I show you this crossroads. Where there's five major deer trails that converge in one clover patch, and then something like a total of 10 to 12 different deer travel zones, not trails per se, but they just literally just converge all on this area intentionally by design. But it was also a natural convergence point that I'm Uh, augmented and made a better and more appealing convergence point with more trails and things to converge so i got out there had planned for weeks and months what i was going to do how i was going to hunt the only variable was the wind right i needed um a semi-favorable wind i either had to have an east wind or a north wind couldn't hunt there with a um with a west wind or unless it was northwest then you could have a chance so checking the weather opening day comes we got a north wind a little bit northwest but i chanced it i decided to go with it and get out there so made it to the spot i came in in the afternoon why the afternoon because it's about 70 percent of the buck activity and this spot was evening activity About 30% of it was morning, and it was sporadic, and sometimes even before daylight. So I went in there in the evening, because I've hunted this place in the past, and and just wasted too many mornings looking for bucks that weren't there. And then went home, only to see on the trail camera that that evening the bucks were there. And it's just, you know, an all-day hunt in mid-September is... Is really long. You know, you're hunting from 6 a.m. to 8 30 p.m. sometimes, and that's just a really long all day hunt. I, I, I'm not a fan of that. So, change up my strategy. I prefer to hunt in the mornings. Okay, this is strategic learning number one. You have to change how you like to hunt, how you prefer to hunt, to what the factors are for that season and that spot. So during the pre-rut, during the rut, hunting in the morning is great there in most places. But during the early season in this particular spot, it's an afternoon food source. It's a clover patch and a convergence zone. So deer that are stopping to nibble, stopping to socialize, they're just passing through. Whether they want to eat or not, they're going through this area. But it's an evening movement zone. So even though I prefer to hunt in the morning, and during the rut, you can still hunt there in the morning. And during the pre-rut, you can still hunt there in the morning. Because it's a convergence zone, those bucks will pass through there, even though they're not stopping to eat. But for the early season, they're eating. They're coming there to, to graze before it gets dark. So what I did was I went in in the evening, got to my stand at about 3 o'clock, which is still too early. But sometimes I just, I'm just i too early. So there I am sitting in the stand, got a little breeze, got set up, Um, you know, just minded my own business, and what do I see? Nothing. Lots of nothing. It was hot. Really hot. Way too hot. I wore the lightest hunting gear that I own. I mean, the thinnest shirt that I've got. I mean, just sweating, sitting there. Definitely came in too early. But right around 5, 5.15, uh, the sun goes behind the hill and the whole area is shaded out. And right about there, I see a doe pop out. And, you know, I'm there for a buck. I, I've already made the decision. I'm only shooting a buck today. I'm not shooting anything else. Um, don't want to have to call my meat processor after hours and have them meet me at the shop in order to take my deer if it's going to be a doe. Just not going to do that to them. Um, you know, this was a buck day only, so I saw this doe come out, hoping it's being trailed by a buck. Of course, it's a little early in the year for that, but it wasn't. So this doe puttered around and was kind of agitated, right? It's probably 30, 35 yards away from me, and it's 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 upset, it's agitated, and he's not sure, she's not sure why. And Little you know, there was very little wind at that point. In fact, zero wind, not even the faintest breeze. And I was pretty sure my scent was probably starting to get into that area. was probably starting to to waft down into that clover patch. And because there was no wind, there was no directionality, this deer couldn't figure out where it was coming from. So she was probably 20 minutes walking around, on alert, looking into the woods, trying to figure out what's going on. Eventually pittered away and and disappeared into the brush and was gone. And I was like thankful about that because... Don't want a scared doe in the middle of the open that keeps any other deer from popping out. Just then, a little after that, we got a nice little breeze that came through, clear all the scent out of that area, get it out of there, and then we're sitting. It's 5.30, 6 o'clock, 6.15, about 6.30 rolls around, and I hear something.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever.
1: And I looking around. I couldn't couldn't pinpoint where it came from. It was bigger than all the squirrels I've been hearing. It was not all the blue jays I've been hearing. And I was like, that sounded like a bigger something. And after you hear enough sounds, you sort of can discern that. So I'm looking. I'm looking. I look right. I look middle. I look left. I look right. I look middle. I look left. I look right again. There's a buck standing in the middle of the clover patch, just materialized out of thin air, it seemed. Don't know where he walked out from, don't know when. It, I mean, it obviously had to happen in the split second that my head was going from right to middle to left to right, and then there he is standing there, nibbling on clover. So I'm looking down, I have seen this deer before, okay? I have seen him, I've got trail camera videos of him since May. You know, I I pulled up, I got a closer look at him, and I knew instantaneously who this buck is. I know how often he's there. I've been watching him. He's got a nice four-point thick beam, just dense antlers on the one side, and then a big split fork on the other side uh, with a little itty-bitty tiny brow tine on that side. So he's like a a, a seven-point technically, it's more like a, a four by two. But the two was just as big as the four. Alright, so it wasn't it was you know, he was he was an interesting kind of antler deer. And I've been watching him all summer, watched him in velvet, watched him the day he shed his velvet, and had been watching him the week since. And I had made the decision, okay, before this, that if that deer pops out I'm going to take him. He was one of four deer that I recognized that were on my list, right? There was the king of the forest, the biggest deer out there, the one I really wanted. There was another really nice eight point. There was this deer. And then there was a non-typical that was out there. And, you know, he had a drop tine and he had some other crazy things going on and these were the, now he wasn't a huge non-typical, like I don't think he was bigger than this deer, but he was interesting, and there were a bunch of smaller bucks that I may or may not have shot if they walked out, you know, that wasn't sure, didn't know how big they really were, Um, you know, it's hard to to get a good sense of certain things on trail camera videos, but I knew if one of these four walked out, I was going to take them, And there was probably another four that were maybes. And then there were ones that were just too small, not legal, or just barely legal, but not worth. Didn't have enough meat on them to make them worth the effort. So, I'm watching this deer, and I hesitated. Which is uncharacteristic of me. I usually do not hesitate. I usually take the first reasonable shot that presents itself. But I hesitated. And I hesitated because i knew the king of the forest was still out there and i thought well this is only opening day it's only my first sit should i wait and pass on this deer hoping to see the bigger one and i pondered that for a moment then i took another look at this deer and i thought you know what this is a really big deer big body heavy deer And I thought, I don't know if the king of the forest has more body. He definitely has more antlers. I don't know that he has more body. And I thought, this is a deer that is worth the effort to put in the freezer. And at that point, I let the arrow fly. I was like, you know what? This is not passing up. Because my motto, if you've listened to many episodes, you know my rule of thumb, rather, is a deer in the freezer is worth two bigger deer in the woods. Because, you know, if one hand, I didn't even know if the King of the Forest was still alive. Somebody could have shot him that morning, for all I know. Don't know if I'd ever see him again. Don't know if I'd ever see him in real life, or if not only on camera. Don't know if the shift will happen next week. It might not get out here again. So, let that arrow fly. And then a whole string of events began to happen. But before that, I want to encourage you guys, make sure you head to the newhuntersguide.com, check out the show notes. I've got the pictures there posted. Of course, I wouldn't tell you this story if I didn't actually bring the deer home. I got the picture posted of the buck. Got two photos there with the show notes for this episode. Check it out. And while you're there, send me a message through the through the website. Would love to hear from you. Questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, testimonies, whatever you've got, would love to hear from you guys. And make sure you head to iTunes, leave a five-star review with a comment. It is the number one way to help the show grow and reach more people. Every five-star review with comment is like you telling iTunes, put this show in front of more hunters to help them. So moving forward, the arrow hits them. It's a good hit. Now, I had missed a deer standing almost in the same spot this buck was standing last year. It was a doe, I'd missed her, I believe I shot too high just over her shoulder or just nicked the shoulder, I couldn't tell for sure either way. Missed the deer or just hit it too high to be a fatal shot, never recovered the arrow, Uh, it was just a bad situation, bad search, never found a drop of blood, never found a deer, never found the arrow, never found nothing. Uh, it was very disheartening, and I was I was absolutely driven to never let that happen again. You know, it was within the range of the hunting area, within my range and ability to shoot. What was I doing wrong? Well, where I was hunting from was a blind. It wasn't a tree stand; it was a blind, but it was elevated, not like on stilts, but it was on the side of a hill. And then below the blind was this food area, this clover patch. So you were shooting downward, so you had similar elevation drop as if you were in a tree stand. And then the distance was significant. It was about, this shot was probably about 37, 38 yards, which is a far shot. My max range is 40 yards of what I'm, I'm comfortable to shoot and able to hit a target. And I put the deer at my 40 yard sight last time and shot too high. Because I didn't factor in the elevation change, right? Had it been a straight 40 yards, it probably would have hit in a reasonable spot. But because it was downward, that changes your degrees, changes your drop numbers, all of that, blah, 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 sufficient to say, what do you need to do? Math, science, nope. What you need to do is come out here in the off season, put a target at that 40 yard mark and start shooting at it and learn exactly where do I need to aim to hit that target right there on that spot in that field and that range from that stand. And of course I I shot that target at a whole bunch of other areas that deer were likely to be all around from that blind in every major position that I could, you know, foresee to make sure I understood my ranges and my drops perfectly. So what I decided I was gonna do is I was only gonna use my core crosshairs, my core sight. I was not gonna use any of my different elevation notches because I knew exactly where I needed to hold at that range for every spot there. Um, Wherever range that deer could come in at, I knew where I needed to hold to hit where I wanted to hit. So I was out there, I would practice, I'd learned this. So this buck is out there. And I put my sights on him, and I knew I needed to aim just at the very top of the back, if not, you know, an inch over his back, in order to put that shot square through both lungs. So I did that, pulled the trigger. Now, at this point, you know, adrenaline's really settling in. And, um, you know, what's hilarious was that morning before I went hunting. I recorded the podcast episode, which is going to air several weeks from now. I fast track, this one, it's going to air several weeks from now about how to manage adrenaline when big bucks walk out in front of you, right? So I just shot that that episode, and now here I am dealing with this adrenaline rush hours later. And because I hesitated and didn't take the first shot, And I'm sitting there thinking, do I shoot? Do I not shoot? Uh Uh-oh, he's moving. Do I still have a shot? Is this an okay shot? Is that an okay shot? Should I shoot? Should I not? What do I do? Because this time is now passing, right? Normally deer walks out, I draw, I shoot, done. It's over, right? I don't have time to get too worked up about it. But because I hesitated and I was questioning myself... All the while, adrenaline's pumping harder and harder. Heart's beating harder. You can hear your heart beating in your ears, right? That kind of a situation. It's getting harder to focus, getting harder to keep steady while you're shooting. So, But I made the decision, lined up, aimed where I knew I needed to aim. Thankfully, I had put the practice time in, pulled or let the arrow go, and then boom. There it went hit the deer i didn't see the exact impact but i knew from the sound that that and i knew from my aiming point that it had to be a pretty good shot the deer turned around and ran back the way it had come in into the clearing from and i could see when it turned that the arrow was stuck in the deer i could see the fletching when it was the deer was spinning around and running away That the arrow was still in the deer so that means a couple things one i knew at least that i hit the deer two you don't know how good of a hit it is it wasn't a pass through i want to pass through i always want to pass through with an arrow that's that's what i want to see and i didn't see that and now i'm all like okay what happened so but it's getting dark okay so when it when it's getting dark, I'm trying. I'm like, okay, I want to find this deer before it's dark. I want to dress it before it's dark. And, you know, because all those things get a lot more difficult to do in the dark. And and there was no leaving this deer out overnight. Not when it's 80 degrees. Just No, it's just not going to happen. It'll be garbage by morning. So I'm like, all right. So I, I sat there. I drank some water, chugged a water bottle, ate a power bar, cleaned up my gear, got it out got another arrow ready and now i'm walking down this is probably 15 20 minutes past you know i'd heard the deer you know just barrel through the woods for a ways and then then lost all track of them so i'm going down i'm looking for sign on the ground okay is there any blood i'm looking and looking do i find any no 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 there's a drop all right that's a good sign at least there was enough that it we got a drop out of it And I'm walking. Okay, I know he went about this way. Which trail did he take? So I'm looking, looking. Okay, there's some more drops. All right, here's some more. Okay, now I start seeing more blood. Starting to get encouraged. You know, blood on the side of things where he had brushed against. Some blood on the ground. Walking, walking, walking. Through some thick stuff. Around some trees. Find half of my arrow lying on the ground, covered in blood right? This arrow was sticking out of the side of the deer. It had run close to a tree. Tree hit the arrow, snapped it right off. But the fact that the arrowhead or the, the fletching was so bloody, it was a good sign. It's was like, okay, this was not just a nominal hit. This is, you know, this is a really, really serious wound. And I'm following the blood trail through the woods, following, following, little more, little more, look up. And then I can see him in the distance Just piled up on the side of this hill. At which point you breathe a sigh of relief. You don't have to take another shot. You don't have to worry about bumping them and spooking them. Because you're supposed to wait longer. You really are. You know, 20 minutes is usually, you know, on the absolute shortest side of things. But I'm fighting the dark. So I'm making calls like, all right, what do you do? Um, So I just went after it. So I get up to them. And man, okay, I hit this thing 38 yards with a rage, expandable broadhead, hypodermic, massive wound channel. I mean, on the one side, the wound was massive, debilitating, just gruesome wound. These broadheads do a fantastic job. You know, a lot of people are sort of wary about expandables Not me. I am. I'm 100% all in. Shoot the expandable through the mesh of the blind. Don't care. have never had a problem with it. So what happened was massive wound channel on the one side, very small hole on the other side. So what happened was because I was shooting at a downward angle, I hit him perfectly on the one side. Arrow went through both lungs, through the ribs hit part of the leg coming out the other side. And still, these tough little broadheads blew a hole through the leg on the other side, but didn't have enough oomph to to, 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 to pass all the way through that hole. And while it was running, and I guess probably right around the time it hit the, the backside of it, broke the arrow in half, it pulled that other side back into the carcass so the other half of the arrow with the broadhead is still inside so i'm like ah crap you know you you never want a broadhead to be stuck inside of the deer that's just sharp and dangerous but you know the 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 arrow and the broadhead did an outstanding job even though it wasn't a clear pass through i mean this thing probably ran i'm i'm estimating maybe 60 yards maybe 70 yards And what was great is it took off running straight towards a gas line road. And it actually expired uh, within probably 30 yards, maybe less, of the gas line road. So it did me a huge favor, didn't know it. So got up in there, and man, the, the deer was huge. It was, I think, the biggest buck I have ever shot, biggest deer, biggest anything I have ever shot. He was massive. So I went to move him a little bit to get him in a more advantageous spot for field dressing. And I felt like I was pulling a car. I was like, holy cow, this thing is huge. And the antlers were not that impressive in terms of inch spread and all that, but they were thick. They were really thick, heavy antlers, Um, you know, just massive i I kept thinking i'm gonna just tear his head off trying to drag him through the woods by the antlers because of how heavy he was but eventually got him dressed out got him taken care of got him to the processor everything worked out great uh he was more movable once empty you know just shed those couple pounds and all of a sudden made it possible certainly not easy But not a deer you'd want to drag a quarter mile. I don't even know if you could drag it a quarter mile without help. Uh, You just probably have to take real small, small drags. But anyway, you know, outstanding hunt. Opening day. Now a lot of people would say, "Well, opening day, you got the whole season ahead of you. You should, you should hunt. um, You know, just wait till the biggest deer that's out there comes out." Guys, that's a bad strategy if you're hunting an area like this one. Right? I know I have very limited time on this property. I know I've only got a couple weeks before the shift. I've only got a couple weeks before the habitat changes, the deer movement changes, the patterns change, and I may never see this deer again. May never see any of these bucks again. So, It becomes a question then. It's not you have all season. You've only got a couple weeks before this summer spot, this early season spot dries up. And then what about the other spots? Well, you never know what's going to happen there. You never know what deer going to be there. You don't have the intel. At least I don't have any intel to think, believe that with any confidence or certainty that I'm going to be able to find a bigger deer later in the season. And I you know just recently recorded a, a episode, put it live about my biggest learning from last season was about uh, taking advantage of your opportunities, and knowing what you're, what you're there to do and not letting opportunities go by. You have goals, you take your first chance you have to reach the first goal because you never know if you'll have that chance again. So, you know, on one hand, I'm saying, oh man, you know, I could do so much more hunting, you know, in the deer woods if I don't shoot this deer right now and and I wait for a bigger one. The other hand, I'm going, you know, that's days and days and days potentially of more hunts, more time, more energy, more effort, you know, more being in the woods. And I'm still going after just one deer. See, I like to hunt, I like to be in the woods. So to hunt more days is not a downer. However, efficiency is a factor. If I shoot a deer on opening day and and take that deer home, I don't need to go out after another buck. So that's not for me, however, less time in the woods. That actually equates to taking the time I would have spent between then and November 20th hunting deer and putting that time into hunting other things like ducks, like geese, waterfowl, pheasants, and so on. So by shooting a buck early in the early season, what that does is frees me up to be able to go out and hunt other things. And that's a net gain for me. For everybody, it's going to be different. For me, though, it's a net gain. Because I can only take one buck, right? Pennsylvania, you get one buck tag. So whether I take a buck on the first day of hunting or day 35 of hunting, I can only take one. And if I take that buck on day 35 of hunting, that's 35 days I've taken nothing, looking for the one biggest buck. But if I take them on day one, I can spend all those other days hunting and taking other game. Hopefully dozens of ducks and geese and pheasants combined you know, bringing those home and, and having more hunts and more game and and more food in the table, more in the freezer. So that's the way I look at it. Not I don't look at it like, oh man, my deer season just ended. I look at it and say, yeah, duck season starts early this year. Yeah, goose season starts early. And I've got some doe tags. You know, I could go out and do some more doe hunting and I plan to. That was another thing that came to me is, you know, this is more time I can spend helping other people hunt. And and helping other people get started hunting and going hunting with other people, trying to help them. So, you know, my focus no longer has to be on me getting my buck. Got that? He's good. Get him in the freezer. Get those antlers on the wall somewhere. And now I can go out and spend time helping others without worrying. Like, oh man, every day I spend hunting with somebody else is a day I'm I'm not getting my buck. You don't have to have those thoughts anymore. So I can go out hunting with others. I still got a doe tag, so I can take a deer if I want another one. But I can focus my time on hunting with others and helping other people get started, which is sort of the motto of the show. And I can spend that hunting other things like waterfowl, like pheasants. And you know, for you, it could be whatever you'd like to hunt or would like to think about hunting. So I was excited. I was stoked to tag out on opening day of the early, early archery season was ecstatic to say, right, got it. Awesome. Got a nice one. Got a big one. Took them to the butcher. You know, how do you want it done? I said, well, I want the rear legs. I want all those roasts individually wrapped whole back straps, whole tenderloins, whole grind the rest give me half of it ground mixed with beef fat give me the other half divided between some pepper sticks some sweet italian sausage and you know just get some great stuff out of it and and not at all let down by taking a deer in the early season all right now let's let's reposition this and look at this from your standpoint early season hunting the number one rule is scouting yeah, there has to be deer there and deer behaving regularly, right? If you have regular active deer deer movement and, and presence of deer, that is a time to hunt. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't say, oh, let me get closer to the rut. It'll be even better. No, no, it won't. It will not be better. I can almost guarantee you, if you have a lot of deer activity in the early season, a lot of bucks, it will not be better for the rut, It will not. The longer you wait, every day you're nearing the point where those deer dissipate, the shift happens, and they move to their fall ranges. You are not going to get better with time. On the other side, if it's terrible in the early season, you may still have great prospects come the rut because the shift may then bring those deer to that area. All right, so don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged if that's the case. But for hunting in the early season, if there's deer there, hunt now. Hunt those deer, hunt them right now. Some factors also when it comes to deer hunting don't mean as much in the early season. Temperature, for example. If you've got videos or photos or you know observation on deer that are out eating an hour or two hours before daylight or before dark every night, every night then it doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter if it's hot. Say, oh, it's too hot to be hunting. The deer aren't out. Well, this camera shows them out every day, two hours before daylight, one hour before daylight, or two hours before dark, or one hour before dark, every day. Whether it's 90 or 70 or whatever the temperature may be, they're there every day eating. Well, if they're there every day, or if they're traveling through there every day, or if they're, they're browsing through there every day, during hunting hours that's when you need to be there it doesn't matter so much what the weather is if it's consistent and it's every day because deer need to eat in the summer they need to eat when it's hot so if they're eating if they're moving if they're on their way to food if it's a travel area and they're traveling through it that's when you be there you know when you get towards the rut and you get to the you know middle of october late in october early november you know, the weather plays a much bigger factor in terms of determining buck movement. Once the shift happens, temperature and weather play a much bigger role. It still matters now, right? If it was been 90 for the last five days and now it's 70, that day where it's 70 is going to be the best day to hunt. But if they were still moving every day when it was 90, an hour before dark, hunt them when they're there hunt them an hour before dark don't wait for better weather don't wait for for you know anything if they're there now hunt them now cuz a week from now they could be gone right so this is the way you have to treat the early early season once the shift happens the strategy changes the rules change to some degree not entirely but to some degree and predictability changes, location changes, response to weather doesn't change. It just seems to matter more because also keep in mind, shorter days, right? Early, early season, the days are longer. Once you get to the rut, the days are much shorter. So when you have less daylight, deer have more dark hours to move. So they're going to move a certain amount every day. They're going to eat a certain amount every day. They're going to be active a certain amount every day. If there's only eight hours of nighttime because there's 16 hours of daylight, well, they're going to move more during the daylight because they need to do what they're going to do. Once you get to the point where it's only eight hours of daylight and 16 hours of dark, well, they can move almost exclusively in the dark and it not you know mess up their routine or schedule or objectives too much. So that's when the weather and the temperature start to matter more because deer have a lot more flexibility to do things when it's dark because it's dark a lot more of the day. So these are factors to keep in mind when hunting the early season. when, And then even the rest of the season to think about, to, to have in the back of your head, okay, how's my strategy changed? Okay, this worked really good in the early season, you know, but that's not, not going to work in November. Well, this worked really good for George, but you know, don't try to apply that strategy in early December because it's not going to be the same. And I've done other episodes on the subject of times of seasons. In fact, I actually have a, one or two more on the way within a couple weeks of this one airing. So I hope this is helpful for you guys. I really appreciate you. Till next time, God bless you, and go get them in the woods.